Welcome to Musicians Versus the World, the podcast where we explore aspects of music and musician life that may not have been covered in music school. I am your host, Christine Smith. And in this episode, we are continuing our look into taking charge of our music careers. We're focusing on website design with Taylor Rossi. Taylor is a Boston-based flutist and website designer for Nicole Ricardo Media, which offers conversion-based web design for classical musicians. And as you listen to Taylor discuss this topic, you will be amazed at just how many mistakes we as musicians are making on our websites. So Taylor, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Musicians Versus the World. Thank you so much. I'm so excited and I'm such a big fan of this podcast, so it's such a joy to be here today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm such a fan of your business. I think it's fantastic what you're doing to help musicians. I have one little question, though. You said in our correspondence that part of the mission is to help classical musicians create websites that actually help them get gigs and clients versus the site they made for a grade in school that only their moms and professors use. Now, what's wrong with my (laughs) website that I made in school? I think it's so cute and my mom loves it. What's the problem? You know what? I think first and foremost that that is amazing and so important (laughs) and like nothing is better than the love and support (laughs) of your immediate family (laughs) if you have that. Um, My gripe with that is that um, it never quite gets to the people that we want it to who are actually going to pay us money. And if, you know, your mom is funding all of your business endeavors and your gig endeavors... (laughs) That's fantastic. More power to you. Like, go her. But the goal of websites is to have it reach people you've never made contact with. It basically does the work for you. And so many times when I see these student websites or just kind of like very DIY websites, there is this lack or not quite the tools there that's doing the work for you. And we're, you know, Nicole always says, work smarter, not harder. We're big fans of that. And if your website isn't doing that for you, then I want to make sure that it's able to do that. So you're not working essentially two jobs just to do the work of your website. Right. So you want to make the website bring in those those clients. Um, and that is true because I, I think that the internet is so saturated. It's kind of hard to be found just from a website. So what is it that a good website does that a DIY website doesn't do? What's kind of the difference between those two? Yeah, I found that with DIY websites, it's kind of like a brain dump. There's just a lot going on and it lacks clarity that I find very intentionally well-designed websites often have. So with DIY websites, it's also a lot of, this is me, this is what I've done, this is what I've accomplished. And there's a disconnect where it's not sharing what's in it for the website visitor or the potential client or potential student. It's a lot of, this is why I'm amazing, but, and we love that, but it's not offering them a way that you can work with them that's going to benefit them. It's just kind of celebrating how great you are. So, oh, yeah. Okay. I get that. I get that. And I want to clarify that I absolutely did this in my first website. I was like, it is the Taylor show. It is my time to shine. And you know what? It felt great for my ego. But there are ways that you can do that and also dial it back so that when people visit your site, you're showing what it is that is in it for them while also sharing your personality to make sure it's a good fit. So it's kind of like getting the best of both worlds. You get to shine, but you also get to show them what's in it for them. 
Okay. Well, that makes sense. But if you are a, say a performer, like you were a flutist, right? Yeah. And so let's say you were a performer. How do you go from here's how amazing I am to telling someone this is why you want to come to one of my shows? Absolutely. And okay. So I always think about it from a taking a step really far back, even back in your own musical past. What is it that got you into wanting to be a performer? So many times we're thinking like it's to connect with people. It's to share a love of music. It's to share a piece with them um, and not hopefully I'm amazing. Come here. I'm how amazing I am and how fabulous I am and how much better than I am than everyone else. So if you take a step back and zoom out because so much of the time we're really zoomed in, mm -hmm. we're taking this step back. It's connection. It's wanting to share this love of a piece or a composer or just the gift of music in general with an audience. So I like to think of it as how am I going to share this with people or connect with people? Um, and some things that you can do as a performer is create opportunities for connection through your website. So let's say you have an upcoming performance. Um, maybe if you're someone who loves like... Um, the history of a composer or something like that, and you really want to talk about that and discuss that, you can create a part of the performance where afterwards or before you have a discussion with people um, about this composer or about the piece and get to actually like sit with them and talk with them so that it's drawing people in in a really unique way and not just saying, listen, I am the 470th person <laughs> to play the Mozart flute concerto and you're going to hear it and it's going to be amazing. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's creating, like, I, I like to think of it as um, bridging the gap between the stage and the audience. You're creating an opportunity and a moment to say, this is what makes me stand out from all the other people who performed it by showing you what's in it for you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of creating this value and you're handing it to them on a platter of like, this is what I can do. Yeah. And I like it that your performance and kind of like how you shape your persona as a musician is kind of influenced by that too. Like for me, I would think, oh, of course, I'm going to talk to the audience about the repertoire that I'm playing because I know a lot of maybe students would be coming to a performance that I do. But I never thought of using that as some sort of launching point to get people interested in coming, that it might be a little bit different than maybe a little bit more traditional and forgive me for saying, but maybe stuffy sort of performance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I am someone who has a lot of anxiety. And I always think of uh, specifically if I'm going somewhere, I know a lot of things are online now, but let's say you're going to a performance or you're thinking about going to a performance. Um, I find that websites or just using your online presence to actually talk about like what that experience is going to be like can be a really great opportunity for people to visualize themselves there and even take them from, oh, I saw this concert on Saturday. Like it could be fun. Like it's at the major symphony. And like, that sounds like just a regular old time to, wow, this sounds like something I can see myself being in. And it sounds really unique and it sounds really inviting. And it makes me want to go to this versus like, again, like, you know, there's concerts all the time. What's going to make me leave my house and go to this particular event or buy tickets to this online event? that I could give my money to anyone. Like what's going to make you stand out kind of thing. And I find that so helpful to get people to, yeah, be able to visualize themselves there. 
Yeah. And I think that's kind of where people are going. They want to have a relationship with the people that they go up because you're right. Everything's online. It's so easy just to get a good performance, but they're wanting that connection with people. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get to doing this? I mean, your ideas are sound fantastic already. I can't wait to hear more of them. Um, but how did you become a website designer? How did you go from flute to that? Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of a, a pretty hard turn. Um, I, at, at many points in my life, thought that I was going to be doing other things. And um, for example, I went to school for music education and then realized that wasn't for me, but still loved the mm -hmm. education concept. I then thought that I was going to have a full private flute studio and that was going to be my thing. And through that ideology of thinking that was going to be my career, I had created my own first website and found myself loving the process of making my website a lot more than selling the concept of teaching flute <laughs> lessons. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I think that, that students should go to other teachers instead of me. And I'd rather market the concept of website design, um, which is definitely a light bulb moment. Um, mm -hmm. And so I found that through that process, I'm someone who really likes to be doing things like uh, I'm not like a big ideas person. I like to be the one like making things come to life. Mm. And so um, a while back, I connected with Nicole Ricardo on Instagram and because she's also a flutist. And so we were chatting through that and found out that she's someone who is a very big ideas person and likes to delegate and is really good at saying, having a vision and saying, all right, like this is what we need to do. And I need someone to actually do the work. So she had experience already doing website design and um, we connected. I took her course, Create Your Career, and um, found that her and I worked really well together. So she actually started to teach me her skills of website design and um, conversion-based copywriting and all those things and kind of gave parts of her brain to me so that I could start doing that work. And I just found that I really loved it and getting to do things for people who you know, have something they're really passionate about where I could kind of be like a cog in the wheel of making their mission happen or their business become bigger um, and just found that to be really rewarding. So it kind of took a hard turn, but still getting to be in the music community and having the skills of the classical music world and knowing what people look for, I found is really helpful. Yeah. So now do you make the websites for these musicians or do you kind of guide them to make their own? A combination. Um, it really depends on what their budget is and what they need us help with. Um, some people are totally hands off and they have a vision. They're like, this is what I'm seeing. I don't want to do it. Please do it for me. And so we <laughs> do it totally from scratch, which is really awesome. Um, and then there's also people who are like maybe younger or earlier in their career who aren't quite ready for that step. And we do things like um, like website audits to kind of say like, right, this is what's working. This is what can help make it become more conversion-based. Um, and then we also have website templates that we've created so that people can kind of, you know, if they're a little bit more tech savvy and aren't afraid to get their hands a little bit dirty, they can kind of just plug in their information and go from there. So it's we kind of work with people from all different levels, which is really cool and um, I find it really nice because everyone is different in what they need and, and their budget size and getting to help all those different people is also really rewarding. Mm -hmm. Now, when you say conversion-based, what does that mean? Yeah. So um, I I kind of view it as a website that a conversion-based website will, let's say someone visits your website, 
it's much more likely for someone to take action to buy something or sign up for lessons or come to a concert kind of thing um, versus a website that is just aesthetic and Mm -hmm. no one actually takes any kind of action that's making you money. So conversion-based website, the goal is for it to make you money. Um, Many other websites don't do that. And um, it's, I'm sure maybe there is some point somewhere to them besides looking pretty, but um, essentially it just costing you money, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. I love it that you were able to find this thing that you're passionate about and you still were able to stay in the music world and you're like able to combine everything. I think that's spectacular. And you're helping so many people. Yeah, it feels really nice. I um, I still get to play like once a week for like a, a couple lessons that I found are just in between um, and uh-huh. not too stressful. But um, yeah. it's really nice to be able to in that music world still and Feel like I used my degree for something. <laughs> well, you can, you know, where the musicians are coming from and kind of like you can relate to them really well. And I think that's, that's a really important thing when you're working with clients that you kind of have an idea of, of where they're coming from. Yeah. Just kind of in general, how good are musicians at creating websites for themselves? It's a really interesting range. Some people have incredible visions for what they want and just don't have either the time or the skills to actually implement it. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people have the time and the skills and it uh, needs a lot of help and a lot of love. (laughs) Um, It's, it's a range. I do find though that when I've seen students coming out of conservatory, they all have a pretty similar website design. I think because their Mm -hmm. professor is showing them this very like, old school kind of concept. Um, So they tend to have a similar look to them. But I I do see overall this through line of creativity because we are musicians um, and there is, you know, that spark and that passion in it. It just the, like more of the design aspects themselves, like spacing and um, making sure they're not using seven different fonts. Like that's the part where it gets a little bit tricky. (laughs) Well, something on your website that I think is so neat is on the about you page, you almost have like an idea board, you know, the interior designers, they have those idea boards with like different textures and different colors and different pictures. And you have that right on your website. And I think, wow, should I be doing that for my website? Should I have an absolutely seamless sort of color scheme? Is that something that you suggest that musicians do when they're coming up with their website? Yeah, absolutely. I find it's your website is kind of an extension of you. And the more that you can infuse your personality into it, the better people are going to be able to connect with you. Because a lot of times um, with musician websites, there's this very academic and dry feeling to it. Yes. And it makes it really hard to connect with that personality. It's like if someone wrote something like an email with all periods and you just think, they're angry with me. Like, I don't know what to do with this. But um, (laughs) the more that you can infuse your personality into it, the more that they're going to feel like they're actually talking to you and they know you already. The best feeling in the world is when we get an email from someone that's like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I know you guys already or like we would be friends in real life. And it just makes that process of them going from a total stranger on the internet to either a client or, you know, someone you work with or a student or whatever that much faster. So, There are so many ways you can do that with your photos, 100% you can do that and making sure that you're infusing your branding 
into your photos, having conversation with your photographer and either showing them your website or, you know, just talking about what you're going to put into your future website is a really great way to do that. Um, your about page and putting little like mood boards or like, you know, I love doing the, um, like, these are my favorite things when I'm, when I'm not doing the thing for my job. Like if I'm not teaching lessons or performing, I love hiking and whatever it is like playing games and stuff like that. Like those are really easy ways to infuse your personality and show that you are a real human into your website. <laughs> so now along with that though, what is the line where it becomes a little bit too personal and a little bit unprofessional? You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I would say if you wouldn't want like a stranger on the internet reading it, probably don't include it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd think that that <laughs> would just go without saying, but it's good that yeah. you said it. <laughs> um, my favorite thing to say is when you're writing like your about page or just your website in general, there is this urge to, or this, this want to include so much about yourself and your whole life story. And I think that that's amazing and people deserve to read that. My favorite phrase is save it for your memoir and just put all of those feelings down in there because you can totally expand on all the nitty gritty details, but People have short attention spans now. And so I like to think of it as, okay, if they're going to be here for two minutes, what do I want them to take away from this? Like, are there any key points? What from my personality do I want to get across? What is one offer that I would want them to either engage with or buy or sign up for and like take action? So just kind of thinking it from a really simplistic point of view of what's too much and that's going to overwhelm them and what's not enough detail and they're not going to connect or vibe with me. Yeah. So would you say less is more when it comes to the about page? Are we wanting really long bios or where's the balance in that? So when it comes to your bio, what you can do if you feel like there's just a lot you want to include is actually putting a separate button that's a PDF download of your full bio. That's like all of your accomplishments. And that's a great place that you can kind of have the best of both worlds. Overall for the page, you don't want it to be sparse, but you don't want it to be so long and visually overstimulating that they're not going to read it. Um, breaking it up in the way that you format it is going to have a huge impact on that. And visually how it looks is going to basically determine if someone takes the time to read it or not. But the great thing to do and what I find really helpful is, you know, write it all out and then start getting rid of what's not helpful. If you start mm -hmm. from a little bit and then expand, it's going to be harder. But I find if you can just kind of jot all your thoughts down and all the things you want to say, and then take a step back and say, all right, what's not actually helpful here? What do they not really need to know? That's great. You can also have a friend kind of course through it and say like, okay, like this is awesome. And I remember that was a really cool thing you did, but overall it's not helpful to your goal of your website. Right. Um, just to have a little bit more of an unbiased opinion. Should that friend probably not be a musician? It can be. Um, I do think it's helpful to just have any kind of point of view that's not in the music world. So potentially, yeah, but, um, they also will understand where it's coming from too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So we need to have a point to the website. Can't just be blah, here I am. Love me, I guess. <laughs> and <laughs> and we want to have um, concise, we want to be a person, but not overshare too much. What are some, are there any other mistakes that we make a lot with our 
websites that we should be aware of? Yeah. So for a lot of uh, these DIY or just kind of, you know, non-conversion based websites, um, there's a phrase it's, or a term called CTAs, which stands for call to action. And mm-hmm. for websites that I find that don't have a high chance of converting, there are either too many or not enough. So a call to action is basically like that little button or phrase that says like, sign up here or click now or contact me here. It's the thing that gets them to take that action. Um, so for a lot of websites, there's there's just like way too many options. And it's like, sign up for this, download this, click this, buy this. I'm not talking about a clothing website where there's, you know, a bunch of things to to buy. But if you're, um, let's say you have a website as a performer and a teacher, Mm -hmm. it has to be really clear, like what pages are dedicated to what and what their goal is. So um, making sure that you're not just putting everything in the same place of like, okay, come to a concert sign up for lessons, download my studio handbook, like make it really clear what that section is dedicated to on your website. Um, and also putting enough in that there's natural places for people to take action. So, um, one of the easiest places to do that. And one of the biggest places I don't see people doing that is at the bottom of a page. They get all this information, they read all the way down and a natural next step would be, okay, click something to take me to the contact page or to check out or whatever. And I often don't see anything on these DIY websites that allows them to do that. So just kind of like putting in things that are really natural that you see. Um, Also actually filling out the homepage versus it being like, you know, a wide photo of you with your instrument and your name. Like that's a very typical homepage for Mm -hmm. DIY websites, but actually the thing that's going to help is including like a mini bio about you having, um, a little like, okay, I think of like your homepage as a magazine cover. It's kind of like little tips of where you can go or kind of like an introduction to you. And then it allows people to take those next steps on your website. But many times people don't fill that out. Um, so overall it's kind of finding that balance between, enough information and not too much information that's going to overwhelm them um, that I tend to see. That is so interesting because I remember in school when I was making my my little website for school, we looked and we had, it was part of the assignment that we had to look at other musicians' websites. And so many of them, those homepages were just a picture and this is my website. Click here for more, right? But you're saying now is that that's not as effective if you're trying to get people to actually interact with your website. Yeah, because if you think about it, so like let's take a step back and visualize you're looking at one of those websites. You're making that visitor do extra work. They've already gotten to your website. Now they have to do extra work to go to another page to find out more information about you than just your name. So Mm. if we can have a homepage that is like, you know, it's showing exactly who you are and what you do in the very first line. Great. Then they go to a smaller section underneath. That's like a little, this is kind of where I see like the, the magazine things, like maybe like three things, um, three different offers or three next steps that they can go to in a very clear spaced out way. Um, and then a little bio about you, maybe a testimonial, and then you're good. Like that's all. I'm not asking for too much here, (laughs) Um, but take the work out of it for people 
to show um, what it is you do, how you can be a service to them, what they can take away from your page and from your website um, without, you know, making it about entirely about your or making them do that extra work. Yeah. I love that idea of thinking of it like a magazine cover. Just from that, you can kind of see what the issue is about, but it's not the whole article at the very beginning. I really like that. That's that's really clever. <laughs> it's kind of like you're teasing it in a way too. It's yeah. like, ooh, like that seems interesting. I want to see more about that. So it just, it gets them excited or it gets me excited. <laughs> well, and I think that all kind of goes kind of back to having a purpose and a point to having your website. And I think sometimes that is a really hard step to know. Like, what do you want people to do when they get to your website? Yes. I had someone say this to me a long time ago and it, it perplexed me for a bit and I really had to think about it. And I think it is a pretty tough question. One really easy way to answer that is what is the thing that's going to make you the most money? Mm. Because as much as we love just sharing our passion and sharing those connections, it's important that we make money because we are running a business, whether you are a performer or a teacher or anything in between. So asking yourself, okay, if someone had to take one action on my website, what is it going to be? Like, what would I love for them to do that's actually going to move the needle and make me income? Um, And that can change a lot about the way you have your website set up and things pointing to. Um, Of course, there's going to be times when that changes and your passion change and your offers change. And that's my favorite thing about websites is you can change them. You can update them. It's not set in stone. We're not chiseling things into a rock. Like <laughs> you have this ability to make updates and it's encouraged that you do that based on, um, you know, how you evolve in your business and, and your career and all those things. And Google loves it when you update your website too. So win-win. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That like helps the searches, huh? Yeah. In our last episode, we talked about portfolio careers where, where these musicians have many different income streams. Now, if you have about three or four different in- income streams, like if you're maybe composing and teaching and performing and you have all of those things, is it a good idea to have a different website for each of those? Or is it okay to have it all under one? Does that make you seem, you know, too spread out, too thin? Or what are the optics of that? This is a really great area. And a lot of music- musicians really struggle with this. The way that we view it is from an SEO and Google standpoint. So essentially like if someone's Googling, you know, flute lessons near me, if your website is all of these different things, it's going, you're going to need a lot of intentional keywords and, um, and setting it up in a way that's going to show that. But if you think of who, let's say, you know, it's the mom of an eight-year-old flute student, what she's looking for is going to be really different from what someone who's looking for your orchestral compositions is going to be. So Mm -hmm. yes, unfortunately, a lot of times it is going to be really a lot of work to have two different websites, but once you do it, it's done. Um, But thinking about it from that point of view of who's searching for this and would they be searching for those same things, there are absolutely times when things overlap. So very naturally, like performing and teaching websites can be in the same place because, Mm -hmm. you know, you also like, if you have students, you want to invite them to those concerts or have them to have something to look up to. Right. Um, But if it's something that's not like, for example, if someone was like 
um, I know someone who does blog writing for musicians, but if they also had a private studio, those are so different. Those are completely different audiences. In that case, you would want to separate it. Um, but just trying to think of it from like the Google standpoint, I think can add some clarity to it. Okay. Um, now I've also heard somewhere, this might not be true anymore, that if you have multiple websites that connect to each other through a link, then it makes you more visible. Is that still true or is that not true anymore? Yeah. So that's what's called backlinks. So when a website is pointing to yours or vice versa of a, uh, like a high quality site, it helps your rankings because it's showing Google, okay, this is kind of a reference and it's saying like, oh, people are referring to this. That means it is a resource. Um, and the more places you have things linked, like for example, um, after this podcast is published, I'm going to put it on our website. And so that's going to be pointing from here and to my website and kind of back and forth. So it's showing this credibility. Mm -hmm. So when you have these things linked, it shows that it's like you're a real person and you have things out there that are just, yeah, again, kind of like showing your credibility as a human and business and things like that. Wow. You've kind of blown my mind a little bit today, <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing all of this information. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed? There's so many things that I need to do to fix my website now. Well, the the one thing that I want to say is sometimes people have a hard time justifying having a website. And I think of it this way, like back when I was still performing more, I would have people reach out to me um, through my my old flute website if they were looking for someone, like if they were having a wedding and they needed a flutist. When I decided I wasn't really doing that anymore, I would share the websites of other flutists in my area. There were so many great flutists, though, who had no website, and I did not feel comfortable sharing their Instagram account with, you know, that potential client because... That was the only place they had any references of what their sound was or, you know, what their offerings were. And mm. absolutely, like, you know, there's so many different like businesses where that's fine to share like an Instagram account. But as a musician or as a teacher, having a website is so, so helpful to send because not only is it incredibly professional, but you have so much control over your website. And I think people forget that you get to decide what's on there and what you're showing and what you're showcasing. And with social media, it's a lot harder because, you know, you post something and then you start posting for a few months and it's, it's lost. It's, you know, back in the archives and someone has to scroll to see it. But when you have a website, you get to show exactly what you want to and, um, and highlight that that's a lot harder to do in social media. So I just encourage people to have it because, you know, it just, it's just so helpful to show yourself. And once you do it, it makes it a lot easier. But I understand the overall initial overwhelm to having a website. But I promise it gets easier once you start it. Well, and then you are also available to help people. How do people find you? Yeah, which I love doing. So um, you can visit our website, which is NicoleRicardoMedia.com um, and just see what we have to offer and send us a little message. We also have um, Instagram, which is nrmedia underscore, or you can find me at the Taylor Rossi on Instagram as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Taylor. Taylor Rossi, you are incredible. And I've learned so much from you today. And I just so appreciate you coming and talking with me about all of this and 
yeah, I've got to go work on my website now. Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just glad that you are also excited about this. It's it's nice that I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, it's so important. Absolutely. 100% so important. So thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Musicians versus the World podcast in my conversation with website designer Taylor Rossi. I hope this information has been as helpful for you as it was for me. If you are interested in more personalized advice or services from Taylor, you can find her at NicoleRicardoMedia.com. I'll have links to everything we've talked about today, as well as a link to the video recording of this conversation on our website, FrostedLens.com slash Musicians versus the World. Musicians versus the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. This episode was produced by Russ Wilkes and was hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith. We so appreciate the nice notes and messages that we've been getting from you, and we read every single one of them. If you'd like to reach out to us with suggestions, questions, or just to say hi, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, or you can email us at info at Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.